mercy, gratitude, purpose. From that which is omnipotent or all-powerful or one, existence, the void, empty, into the next breath is fulfilled. We take a breath, even if we're avoiding taking a breath, that Holy Spirit, that Great One, the Gnosis, the knowing, be still and know that I am God, that knowing that is God, that knowing that is the Absolute. Or when we're a secular humanist and say, no, there's no God, but whatever this is, this cosmos, that knowing moves through us as breath <clears throat> and into life. So it's been named historically in different ways as we've tried to call forward respectfully the mystery. What is this? That out of the power, the receptive, where the yin or the feminine moves, is alive, is not still and static, but is dynamic, and brings forward then the next moment of time and into space, the space of our incarnation, of our body, of the cells. And then do we willingly choose love or do we try to avoid it? No, I just cannot be that love. I just will not be. I'm too upset. I'm too ungrateful for this present moment. You know, if only you knew my history. In fact, if only you knew my history, because we say it in a masculine way and then we go to a, an immature feminism or an immature history, instead of saying, well, out of our history, we were protecting her story and trying to tell them both as best we could, not perfect. How can we call, call that now a humanity? And then into the next breath, accept what has gone on before us in our ancestry and your ancestry and her ancestry, and his ancestry, and their ancestry. So that without armoring, we all bow to this state within the souls and hearts of us all to realize the pearl being formed of our purpose. We have here upon the earth at this time so many people so many forms of life from the cowrie and sequoia trees and the bristlecone pines, all of which have lived for centuries, millennia, alive, breathing, living, existing. As living creatures we call trees. What do they know? What do they perceive? We know they are alive. We know that part of how we are able to breathe as mammals and as sentient animal beings who are human beings. We're not considered plants in the zoological references. We're considered of the animal kingdom, although in philosophical ways we say, well, then it's a human being. And yet, just as the plants and the animals dwell into the next moment here upon the earth, 
so do we beside them among them. So if we were standing beneath or sitting beneath or resting beneath or even sleeping beneath a great sequoia or a great cowrie tree or a great bristlecone pine, how would we be one with that which has created those trees and the earth herself and our own bodies? And all of this will dissolve or be absorbed back into something much greater than our temporal bodies can understand. And yet we are of that. We are of that. So most of us have a kind of grudge against the absolute, or we have a rather incomplete surrender of ourselves to the absolute. We sort of bargain. We have a faith, but we would really like to have something foolish, like a new sweater or book. Not foolish in a grand scheme of needing to stay warm or to be educated, but in terms of the comprehensive universe, we say, okay, I, I'm sort of surrendered to the oneness. The universe is vast, is, is vast. The universe is very vast. But if I only had that book or that sweater, I, I would still exist separately. We, we hold it like a child not wanting to go to bed yet or not wanting to eat all of our vegetables. We, we sort of hold back with our will. And we are afraid that if we let go and we fully offer ourselves to that thread or twine or wire that joins the mala beads or rosary beads or pearls of the necklace, we are afraid if we join that rosary bead as necklace of all the stars of the cosmos and all the beings of the cosmos, that we'll disappear and be nothing. We will never have existed. We will not exist now, and we will have no meaning into the next breath and moment. And so we armor ourselves in a justification. Prove it to me that that space between the pearls is real. Show me how I still exist as more or less important than you, the next pearl, to my right or left. And then maybe I'll let that thread, which intertwines us all, life, creation, maybe then I'll let it exist. Well, it exists anyway. And so the phrase I've used in recent years about this human behavior, I call it the tantrum. We can have a very small child who is leaving infancy into early childhood or the toddler stage. And he or she or they are just beginning to experience their own individuated will. They are not of the mother's breast milk. They are not in her womb. Their father's arms are not carrying them 24 hours a day from task to task to moment to moment. And through the cells of their body, they begin to embody a moment of taking a step. They might be fearful, excited, enthusiastic, tired, shy, well-nourished, poorly nourished, on the verge of starvation, in a battle zone, in an elite home. 
And yet, on an interior level, the child has an experience of the void. They can't find the safety of the next moment based upon their history. The form of where the cells will move as embodiment is not knowable to their mind or their aura and chakras, their character, or in psychological terms, the personality. It's not known to their emotions. And so the cells of their body quiver to try to find safe harbor into the next breath and moment. And when they can't find it based on the historical map, they clench themselves against their own breath and they move in a tantrum of reaction until they have enough karma built up, enough debris built up to go to the next moment based on how they fell back and didn't embody their path. Isn't that interesting? That we are so arrogant that we compete with God. I can't find my mother's breast or my bottle of milk or formula or juice or water. And so we stop time. I am going to stop time and not take my next breath and not move in my body except against everything that is future. And then I exist. And I will, there's an old fairy tale in the Western Hemisphere. I will huff and puff and blow the house down. Come in and say, I will huff and puff and blow the house down. So we are demanding that we're going to do this. Or other children just become very quiet and passive. Or hold their arms up to their father, da-da, and cry. What can they do to make daddy carry them, papa, sustain them into the next moment because they don't know how to be born as the individual child beyond the infant stage. We have in the modern world, and of course always this has been part of society, but we have in the modern world created a plethora of film stars and fashion concepts based upon, I won't really mature, I'll be so much cuter if I stay kind of naughty and inadequately present. And then you'll do the work for me. Isn't that charming? Don't you have a crush on me? And we go back to adulating certain figures in society who stay in an infantile state. It's called in Jungian terms of psychology, the puer eternus, the boy eternal, or the puella eterna. These are old Latin phrases, the girl eternal. He or she clings to a childlike place of looking back, as if looking into a mirror going back will bring a safe breath into the next moment. Our society is very caught in this right now, where we go back and say, I will make a reparation for whatever there is in your history that is inadequate. And so every breath incomplete in oneself represents an incomplete thread on the strand of pearls that is your purpose. 
So if we would all take the next breath together into the present moment, what Thich Nhat Hanh would call the wonderful moment, present moment, wonderful moment, full of wonder, of meeting the mystery with the joy of life, joie de vivre, joyful to be alive, enthusiasm, antheos from the Greek, of the gods, of the theology, of the heavens, of the concepts of a belief system or a philosophical structure of how to live, baby to toddler to child to man to woman to person. Oh, safe. Oh, alive. Oh, the void. I am here in the entire universe, safely, with no armoring, no constrictions from my past, either personally or ancestrally through my family or the entire collective that comprises the human race, or all of life, all of the plants and animals and the elements. This is what your great medicine people do. I've told a story often of Moses Peters, one of the dearest figures of my life, from Chalkitsik, which means Fishhook Village, up in the northeastern regions of Alaska, far above the Arctic Circle. Moses Peters was a Kuchin Athabascan man. He was remarkable in that he was unafraid of the sacred within everything. So he would turn in his elder body and kind of whistle in his breath with quietness and joy. And the cold and the warmth and the sun and the wind were not disturbing to him. He had learned to find his way through them, through them. And it was like watching a master dancer who understood the song of God, the sound and the light, until Everything about Moses was watching the dance of grace. A human being who was the thread all through his village of a strand of pearls. There's nothing to be afraid of in him. If I had met my death because of a mistake he might have made, that we had gone out in a blizzard, this didn't happen, but let's say that, that it had been winter. I was in his village during the summer months, let's say I had been there in the winter months and we had built an igloo to protect ourselves from a blizzard and I had died anyway, well, he still would have done his best. This would be love embodied. Do your best. Every breath. Just do your best. The moment of your death will come. Let it come from God. Let it come from him, from her, from that great one. And then God will always meet you every breath. Here, my child. Here is the thread, the silken flaws, threading the strand of pearls of which you are one, as Moses Peters was one, as my beloved late mother was one, and my cherished late father was one. My older brother, Michael, who's no longer alive, was one. My younger brother, Peter, 
very much alive as one. My younger sister, Terry, my only sister, is one. And then what happens is we enter a state I've spoken of often that Stephen Levine would call the don't know space. Don't know. Practicing here breathing, contemplating, applying noble virtue to the next moment. This would always be our purpose. Then we come up to the qualities in life that might be difficult. There's a snake. There's a scorpion. There's a mountain lion. There's an extreme heat wave, an extreme cold wave. There's not enough food to feed our family. What do we do? Well, we practice entering through oneness, yet discernment. For some of the medicine people I've known, they've seen things like a dangerous animal who looks at them and goes away. And people are astonished. How did that happen? It's hard to explain. And yet Moses would have been trained as a master hunter if it were necessary. But his way, when he could feel a bear out there, would be, oh, Mr. Bear, oh, Mr. Bear, you are so strong. Please wander over far away from me so that you may go and find your berries and I may go and find my fish. That's how he walked upon the earth. In relationship, in a sense of knowing that he would do his best every moment in that purpose. And then he could entrust himself to how the divine would move through the bear and another bear. And a dangerous man or woman or person who was in a tantrum. I'm from this place in the world and not enough has been done for me. I'm from this place and not as enough has been done for me. So right now the whole world is in this tantrum. Nothing's been done that's enough for anyone. Billionaires, people suffering terribly. There are people who are suffering terribly from races of the human race, but from various cultural races and identities all over our earth who are being tortured, neglected, demonized, minimized, marginalized, not cared for. These are your family. Shame on us all. So historically what's happened upon the earth is we generally have some souls rise up in every generation who try to show us the next moment. We listen to them and we look toward them. We experience their gestures of love embodied. <clears throat> and then we take a position and we, we harm them just enough that our ego goes on a little bit more strongly than theirs. Well, you know, I lived beyond him because we martyred him. Well, my tribe lived a little bit beyond her because we denigrated her. Well, wait till I pay them back, you know, that group that hurt my people. And that is not our purpose. 
So when any one of us embodies this, this is not embodied love. We are suffering then. We are not able to find in our soul and heart and the cells of our body and life itself the mystery of the thread moving through all of the pearls. Okay, so for a mystic like me, that's all I'm interested in is that thread. I can't avoid it. It's just I wake up in the middle of the night or I'm in the morning I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And when we are aware of it, we are attuned to a direction within ourselves which God never leaves. I spoke of this. I spoke of this. God never leaves it. Isn't that the most interesting direction? Why would we ever leave this ourselves? Well, because we're afraid, what if that man hurts me? What if that woman does? We'll all hurt them first. I go, that's just pointless. Paying attention to that thread will show us the interrelationship of eternity in all space with God in each being, including within ourselves. That would be our classroom or our home. So when we follow this, always the miraculous arises. The movement of God embodied in everything begins ever so slightly to be revealed to us. You feel this. Oh, this is holy. This is what we are to take care of. This is why we build temples and mosques and synagogues and cathedrals and basilicas to try to care for that principle. And when we represent saying, well, your way is wrong, I'm tearing your statue down, I'm tearing down that edifice, I hate your symbology, I'm going to conquer it with my own, the entire strand of pearls is kind of broken. And we say, how'd you like that tantrum? Look at all the debris I caused. And then really, it's ours to clean up. So I'll watch hatred moving through Eritrea and Ethiopia right now and go, well, this is ridiculous. What a complete waste of the planet, of all of the men, women, and people involved. It's a great travesty against God in all of his names, all of her ways. It's, it's not the path. It's not the purpose of any one of us beings. So what you can do is when you take the next breath, you apply your will to going beyond the tantrum within yourself and offering the relationship you have with the creator in that next breath for the sake of that thread among all beings, among all aspects of creation. And you will be answered back. How? You'll find out. Always you will be answered back, everywhere. You may feel naive or foolish. You may find that you stumble or are not able to say something in a sophisticated way or you don't have the same intellect. Uh, an example would be, <clears throat> I could go to a conference and someone can give the most erudite talk, just be gorgeous in their suit and their shoes and their 
papers and they set out on the desk. And when it's my turn, I'll go up and I'll always spill a little bit of coffee or water or I'll realize that my body is heavy and my circles under my eyes will have me look fine but fatigued. I will never represent a perfect vessel. I will always be the peasant vessel. So even if I have on a beautiful bracelet that's been given to me or my mother's earrings, if my hair is put up in a French twist, one piece will fall out and it won't fall beautifully down. It might fall down in a clumsy way and you'll go, oh, Beth is here with God. She is only the cup. And you are only the cup. And he is only the cup. And she is only the cup. And they are only the cup. And what I notice, the humility is called forward. So the cup that I am is willingly humble, honoring, honored, loving, transparent, and then oneness will move through me and I will just do my best. Right? We can feel this as I speak of this. All of us have the same capacity. All of us have this same nature. Yet each of us is a different pearl on the strand of God. When any one of us practices this, we call the whole strand forward. We are calling that silken thread or floss or twine or wire that has God forward in all beings so that everyone in Eritrea or Ethiopia is called forward. Now, always, into eternity, reconciling the past, through all of the tribes which have ever existed in this aspect of Africa and our world. And then our movement to try to say, I'm not on the thread yet of the strand of pearls. I'm over here, I'm over there, I'm going to fight you. It's not where our attention is. We're going beyond war. We're interested in knowing the purpose of love embodied. Each of us is, always has been, is now, and at this time of ripeness or maturity on the earth, has the destiny to be able to fully embody, love embodied, holy purpose.